From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini sort of re-dig into things that we've been watching. I think just watching, maybe, maybe reading. I can't, I don't know. Yeah. I'm Terry. Hi. <laughs> I'm Mary Beth. One reading thing. I'm back from Japan. Very exciting. Yes. Uh, this week we're chatting about feeding sewer boys like a mama bird. Okay. Uh, a new sci-fi anime, Life on Mars, terrifying wooden dolls, uh, a pulpy adventure with monsters, another anime, and just the beautiful cherry on top um, is Dracula as a twonk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't... I have I have some stuff. When being in Japan, we didn't watch a lot. We did watch a lot of TV, or streamed a lot of TV, or whatever. Um but I'm excited to be back, everybody. I know it felt like a long time. <laughs> it really did. It, it it's felt like forever. I mean, it's been kind of a nice break. I'm going to be perfectly honest because it's like it was we were both like doing stuff. You were on vacation and then I went to New York. So it was like mm-hmm. it just felt like a perfect lineup of, of things. And yeah, yeah, it was kind of nice. It was nice. But yeah, I do miss was... I miss this. I do, too. Um, I just miss you. I miss you Fortune too. Fortunate our time differences. I know. But we're back. The amount of times I had to Google what time is it in Japan so that I'd be like, if I'm, am I texting her super early or super late? <laughs> and my body is still. We're, um, I got back on Saturday and so I am still adjusting. And jet, so jet lag there wasn't bad, but jet lag coming back has been bitch my body just decides randomly it's like no you're exhausted like, help and like no amount of energy drinks or coffee like i haven't i don't drink energy drinks i have been drinking monster this week to like try on top of yep. my coffee it's not working um but it's okay we're soldiering we're soldiering through um soldiering through and listeners i'll probably pepper in stories about japan throughout the next couple of weeks and you'll see pictures and stuff it's hard to like debrief because there's there's just so many things so much um but a lot of the things all the things i'm talking about 
we watched or was read in Japan. So we'll talk a little bit. But just real quick before we jump in, I just want to say um, there's a lot of really fucked up shit going on right now to put it in like the most basic terms possible. And I'm in reference to what's going on in Palestine and Gaza. Um, so I know that it feels very hopeless right now and it feels like there's nothing we can do, but there are resources. Please go to ceasefiretoday.com. And you'll find ways to email your congressperson, your senators, your um, house, your representatives in the house, find petitions to sign, um, toolkits, protests near you if you're able, if you're able to, um, and places to donate if you're so inclined. Donations are weird right now because I'm not sure how people are getting money, but there are some things you can do from your home if you're comfortable because right now it's, it's not a time to stay silent. Um, use your voice if you can. It's it's yeah. helping. So, you know, do what you can. And, yeah, ceasefire now. I know ceasefire we're, we're a podcast, but we have a small platform. It's it's time for our people just to say stuff. So, anyway, um, on that note, <laughs> this is the worst transition of all time, everybody. <laughs> Get ready. Sewer boys being fed like a mama bird. There was no way. There was just no. <laughs> there is no there way. There was no way. There's no I'm, way to I'm do not, that. It's just no way. But I mean, yeah, there's no way to so. do that. Like with a normal, like uh, off the top no. of the episode to transition no, to sewer boys and Molly. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. But what the Sorry, fuck? Sorry, everyone. But hey, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but what the fuck is a thought that I had plenty of times while watching this. Now, granted. I I did I watched this Monday night as I was okay. laying in bed on Ambien after coming back from <laughs> New York. And I was oh, like, no. this sounds like a fun thing to put on and just sort of fall asleep to. And this feeding sewer boys like a mama bird, I put this in the dock as I was watching the movie. I was like, I got to remember that oh, I'm not gonna remember this. So this is an ambient Terry note. Aww. <laughs> so i finally watched dicks the musical oh oh interesting description of okay tell me more about about this so this is the infamous um infamous i think potentially larry charles directed musical based on a broad off-broadway i think musical written by josh josh sharp and Aaron Jackson, I believe, I'm trying to remember what the musical is actually called, because it's not called Dicks. Um, but I understand, yep. Yeah. So the musical is called Fucking Identical Twins, the musical. So obviously, A24 is going to change it to Dicks, the musical. Cowards. Yeah. <laughs> but Coward this is... <laughs> this is a, a musical about... I don't even know. There, so there's identical twins, and they're not identical. Obviously, it's played by Aaron Jackson and Josh Sharp. They're not identical. They're not related to each other, but they are identical twins. And everyone talks about how how much they look alike. Um, God is played by Bowen Yang, and he he tells cool. us in the beginning to just right, and he tells us in the beginning to just go with it. And so they are identical twins separated at some point in their early childhood and don't realize the other person exists. Oh, classic, classic, classic. Yes, because their parents divorced and 
one kept one kid, the other kept the other kid. Oh, so it's like Parent Trap, but it is Parent Trap. Deep, deeply inappropriate. Oh, this movie. <laughs> I, I, this movie is just like it hits that line and then just keeps going. And so yes, they do decide as grown adults who work who discover that they work at the same place and are both the top salespeople. And sing a song about how they're the best thing ever. Their boss is played by um, Megan the Stallion. Oh, okay. I because I know she's in it, and yeah. I was very excited about. And she she has this hilarious uh, song about um, where she's like leading men around on leashes as if they're dogs. Like it. Yes, I saw clips of that, and I was like, oh, maybe I do need to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you do need to watch this movie. I would say to get blitzed and watch this movie, because I'll tell you, watching it on Ambien was a trip. And I'm not going, I don't want to spoil all of the audaciousness that this movie goes into. So I will just, I will focus okay. on the sewer boys. So yes, this is basically Parent Trap, where the two as adults decide that they missed having a a real, and I'm using that in quotations because that's, that's something that they say, and it's actually a song point about them not having a real family because they're from single parent family homes. Like this is, they're the things that they talk about here is very much like it is pushing, pushing some boundaries, and so they decide to get their parents together, and their parents are played by Nathan Lane and Megan Mullally. Okay, great. They, that's a great. You know what? I'm surprised that duo hasn't happened earlier, honestly. Like, that really is such a great pairing. Yeah. Of chaos, and it sounds like, just knowing them. <laughs> the chaos I, the chaos is ridiculous. I'm not even going to talk about Megan Mullally's character. I just want to focus on Nathan Lane. as So the kids end up swapping and going to their different parents, and they have, like, completely different haircuts. Like, Trevor, played by Aaron Jackson, has long hair, and Josh's Craig is very short. And so okay, they end up so getting we're definitely wigs. playing with that entire psych gag of, like, you're yes. identical. Okay. Yes. Respect. And everyone talks okay. about how it's so weird to see you with hair that looks this shitty. <laughs> like, they, because they're wearing, like, Fuck horrible yeah. wigs. But, okay, so one of them goes to Nathan Lane's house and nathan lane comes out as as gay to him and then he reveals that he has a pair of small creatures that he calls the sewer boys and they are in a cage in his apartment and he doesn't leave his apartment and he doesn't need to because he spends time with the 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 sewer boys and at one point he's like oh it's feeding time and so he stop stop it right now i'm gonna <laughs> he takes a bag of like i think it's ham i can't honestly remember and literally <laughs> is chewing it up and then spitting it into their faces like this is the this the the beginning step of how ridiculous this movie gets and it only gets more ridiculous and more irreverent past that point i I, and that is literally why I sat here and, and I was like, I got to write this down because otherwise Ambient Terry's going to forget. And so I had to put it in the doc because this movie, this movie should not exist. And yet it does. And I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. It is, it's, it's, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say about it. Everyone should go watch it. Get high, take some Ambient, do something and watch this movie because it is audacious. In a way okay. that 
I was, like, not super excited about it, but now I am. Like, I had nothing against it, but I was just like, I don't dislike musicals, but they are not my first choice. Same. And, okay. Okay. Good to, good to know. It's very funny. The music is actually very, very funny. I will okay. say. Is that out now? Yeah, it's out now on VOD. Um, it came out on Friday, last Friday. See, I feel like I was gone for twenty years. I feel like all these—I was not gone. I've only gone for two weeks, but I feel like that's like thirty years in like I, entertainment journalism time. I'm like, I've missed <laughs> an entire era of movies. I feel like uh-huh. you know what I mean. I'm like, I've missed everything. Like, yeah, I didn't get to go to a couple screenings, and I feel like I'm behind. I'm like, this industry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm telling you, Dick's the musical. Okay. I don't even know. Yeah, right. I don't okay. even know what they were smoking when they when they wrote this, Fuck but yeah. I'm I'm here for I it. I love that. I I don't listen to La Cult- Les Culturistas, which is Bo and Yang's podcast, but I saw clips of the two guys on the podcast on TikTok and it looks incredible. So I that they yeah. was chaos. It looks like the clips were just like gay chaos. I mean, yeah, and and this 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 movie is very queer, um, and there's a little funny aside in the very beginning that it is literally two gay men playing two straight men. How brave! <laughs> it's a delight. So I I, I definitely cool. like this. Isn't a good movie. This is a wild ass movie that you will. Not oh yeah, forget. no, I want that. I need it. I need that. I don't need something. Yeah, I want something weird and goofy and like fun. <laughs> You're gonna get fucking weird. <laughs> Great. I really want to spoil Megan Mullally's bit, but I, I'm not going Don't. to. No, because now I actually really want to see it. <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't say how much I actually really enjoyed this movie. But uh, let's talk about a new sci-fi anime. All right, so um, I have a bone to pick with Netflix because Netflix mm. is burying perhaps one of the best things they've put out all year. And... It's a fucking travesty. I haven't seen shit about it, except in Japan. Um, but it's in the U.S. This is Pluto. That came out... Uh, it came out right before I left. So it came out at the end of this end of October. December. Jesus. The end of October. And so this Pluto is based on a manga, which is based on Astro Boy. So... Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Asamu Tezuka created Astro Boy in the 60s. We've all know like Astro Boy, little at little, you know, robot boy. Mm-hmm. And this is one of like the first manga. Um, Asamu Tezuka like was inspired by Disney and basically shaped what Japanese manga looked like starting in the 60s. Um, so he there is an, an arc called The Greatest Boy on Earth where a robot named Pluto is created to fight and destroy the seven strongest robots in the world. And so the Pluto is an adaptation of that, but in a much more serious um, manner. And it's much more of like a noir robot mm. detective story. And so we haven't finished it yet because it's really sad. And we didn't want to like watch the last two sad episodes while we were in Japan because the first episode, uh, we watched it when we were in Kyoto and I cried because it was so good. But like it, it's basically, it takes place in a world where robots have basically earned human status. There's robot rights. Like robots are not are programmed to not kill people, but, 
they're so advanced that they need that they're being integrated into society like human beings. But of course, people don't. There are people who don't like that. And there is someone who is going around assassinating the seven most powerful robots on the planet that were all created to be these weapons of mass destruction, as well as human beings who advocated for robot rights in some way. And what's really a big kicker is that while this takes place, like not like on a different version of Earth, there's a lot going on talking about the Middle East and how wars in the middle east have created people who who have created people who perhaps have good intentions but are going about them in violent ways in terms of getting revenge on slaughter and it's incredibly prescient to what is going Mm. on now in a way that i was not expecting in terms of how they grapple with like identity and roles in wars and what it means to participate in a war and to commit slaughter and how perhaps when there are bad people being targeted, it's not just out of selfishness, but out of like a desperate gra- grappling for like people to realize atrocities that have been committed. So it's 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 one of these shows that proves that animation is such a fucking incredibly serious medium that needs to be taken seriously, and that these right. conversations are not just about like robots, but about like human nature and empathy and what it means to be a person. Like, I had this show made me cry about a robot I met for like maybe twenty five minutes on the show. Like Aww. it's so well done in terms of how it creates empathy for characters, and how it gets you into this head, like this world of and it's like very expansive. Like it's like it's not just taking place in one part of the world. It's like international, and it's so well done incredibly well written incredibly well animated and voice acted netflix is not talking about it nearly enough like this is this should be like being shot up in the rooftops for how good this show is like keith david has a voice as tenma who is the creator of adam who is adam adam is astra adam and this so astro boy isn't in is technically in this but it's adam he doesn't look he's got like Astro Boy style hair, but he doesn't look like Astro Boy. So again, like this is taking the clay idea from Astro Boy, making it a little bit more serious and a little less like cartoony, um, and making the stakes much higher. But it follows Gizikt, who is a, a Europol robot who is one of the most powerful robots on the planet, and he is investigating and trying to protect all these robots before they're killed and trying to figure out who Pluto is and why Pluto is doing what he is doing. It's really fucking good. And it's, it's like I said, it's sad. But I think this needs way more attention for what it is. It's beautiful. I just added it to my Netflix list. It's lo- it's lo- it's eight hour long episodes. And I was going to say, it looked make- like it's an yeah, hour it's long. long. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a, it doesn't feel long. And there's so much going on that they need that length. I don't want to spoil too much because it's like, it's... It's just really good. So I, even if, again, like, even if you don't love anime, like, this is not an anime-ass, it's an anime-ass anime, but, like, not in the way you'd expect. It's very, it's like a, it's like a noir. It's, it's real good. I love that. I love the idea of that. Yeah. Uh, boy. You want to feel a lot of emotions watching that. You watch Pluto. (laughs) So Pluto is on Netflix. All eight episodes are on Netflix. Give it a try. It's hard, it's hard to binge, I will say. It is not... It is not an easy show to watch back to back to back because of how much is going on. 
Um, But that just means you get to enjoy it even longer. So Sweet. Yeah. Speaking of sci-fi, life on Mars. Yeah. So it's it's funny that you talk about um, Pluto being um, kind of prescient with what's going on. Because what I was realizing as I was watching this latest show is how much a lot of stuff that we have been watching recently feels almost as if they predicted where things are going to be when they're being released. Like we talked about mm-hmm. the mill with like um, capitalism mm-hmm. run amok and there's a little bit of like um, there's, there's talks about striking in that as well. Well, for this one, um, I, the new season of for all mankind, the fourth season started on Apple TV last Friday. And I've talked about this on the show if you followed along, but in case you are new to it, I'm just going to give you a very brief synopsis. For All Mankind is a is a decade-spanning show that asks the question, what if America did not get to the moon first? What if um, the Russians did? And the space age, the space race never ended. And so because of that, every single season is set in a decade and we are seeing different decades of the space race. Well, season four, um, like in the very beginning, they're trying to get to, to the moon then they're trying to establish a base on the moon. Then they're trying to use that as a piggyback to get to Mars in season four. We are caught up to the early two thousands and we have a colony on Mars of scientists and, um, and workers who are keeping everything going. And, Without getting into much spoilers, the big thing this season is that there is this asteroid that is going to be passing through um, our galaxy that in six months that they want to try to mine from, like mining on this this asteroid that is worth trillions of dollars in, in uh, minerals and ores and that kind of stuff. They want to catch it and bring it to Mars to... Um, mine. So this is going on, and we're following some similar characters that have continued from throughout the entire series. And I think that's one of the mm-hmm. things that I really love about this is that we are mm-hmm. we are now like 40 ish years, fifty years almost from when the show started, and we are seeing these characters progress through the years, and we're seeing things that have like been building for decades come to head to head, and there's some really emotional resolutions in this in this season. Is it, but, la- is it the last season? I don't I don't know. They haven't announced a new one okay. yet. And they only gave us seven um, episodes to screen out of ten. So I don't know oh, how it's going to okay. end. But I, I sat and I binged this the weekend before uh, I went to, to New York because it just it it's so it's so good. And the thing that, that one of the sub stories this season. So you have on Mars the astronauts and the scientists and then you have the people that are keeping the place working that are working on the HVAC that are working basically blue collar jobs and their life is not great. And we're following a new character as he is Uh... his, he worked on rigs on earth, but then with um, the advent of going to Mars, those rigs became useless. And so he was out of a job and it's put a displaced a whole lot of people. And now they are taking a two hour, a two year tour to Mars to work after being promised a lot of money so they get to Mars and they realize that unlike the people that um, are white collar, they don't have as good of internet. So their video calls don't always go through. They're being fed mush. They are, they don't even get like recognized by the, you know, the rock star scientists. Have, have you seen the expanse? 
Have you watched The Expanse? I, I've seen like the first, I think, two or three seasons of that. Okay. I just, there's, I'm just, parallels are happening. Because again, yeah. Expanse is like much in the future, but I, it sounds like this is kind of like, it's bridging the gap a little bit yeah. in my head of like how we got to what happens in The Expanse. And this is like when that starts in terms of like, oh, cool. This is how we start marginalizing people in space. Uh-huh. Yes. And and again, this was created by Ronald Moore, who did the Battlestar Galactica reboot in the early 2000s. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And so there's okay. a lot of like that DNA that, of things that he was using sci-fi to explore is okay. in this. And so at one point, we're, we're going into a strike here in on Mars. And the interesting thing is, is like, you know, that's like a 30, I think at the time of this, of this show, it's like a 30 day trip now to get there and so like if people strike it's not as if you can just replace them there's no one to do it you know what i mean so like we have that going on there as ha-ha, well as got you bitch you can't use that yeah we'll just find other people haha exactly <laughs> especially when you consider that there is the approaching asteroid within six months that they need to figure out how to capture oh yeah you know just one of those yeah so I, I think this show is fantastic. I think it is being slept on. I don't think enough people are watching it and talking about it. So I just wanted to kind of champion okay. this fourth season because it's, um, it's doing some really interesting things. Fuck yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking okay. Fine, I'll watch it. Yeah. Is that Apple TV? It's Apple TV, yep. right? Apple TV. Okay. Apple TV really be killing it. I really feel like they I need really to watch Fingernails. Are. I haven't watched Fingernails yet. But I they really either. are putting out some like really good stuff. They really are. I honestly, what they're doing right now reminds me of like the golden age of HBO back in like yeah, when they were putting out like very high pedigree stuff and putting a lot of effort into the budget and stuff because this is an expensive show and it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I was gonna say like this is not like space shows are not cheap. <laughs> That's why no. the expanse kept jumping around to networks because yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right, let's let's go away from sci-fi, and I want to hear about terrifying wooden dolls. All right, so I did I did some reading on the plane. I had very long uh, plane rides uh, to and from Japan, and I needed things to do with myself. Um, yeah, how included, long of a flight was it again? So to Japan, it was fourteen and a half hours, and then we had. We landed in Tokyo, and then we had to take another flight to Osaka. So it was, like, 17 hours travel total. And then, but, like, the 14 hours nonstop was a nightmare. Because the flight back, it was 10 hours, and we had a layover in Denver. So it was a little bit more broken up, but that flight sucked shit. Because the last half, the last leg of it, one, I was exhausted. I was like, give me the fuck home. And then two babies were crying the whole flight. And thankfully, oh. it was only, like, a three-hour flight, but still... So on the way home, I binge-watched Top Chef because it was on... It was like one of those things like, oh, binge-watching something will help. So I binge-watched things and played my Nintendo Switch. But on the way there, I read a couple books. And the one I really wanted to shout out that I haven't finished yet, but I was reading it while I was in Japan, is called The Silent Companions by Laura Purcell. And it's a Victorian gothic horror um, that very much... Yeah, which is... It's very much like playing with this the tropes of like a young widow discovers something weird about like her deceased husband and when she so she this woman elsie married a um handsome 
a handsome, wealthy man. His name was Rupert Bainbridge, and he basically came in and bought slash funded the match factory that is in her family, and she married him. And it was one of these things where, like, oh, it was like a marriage of convenience slash business, but they actually ended up falling in love with each other. But he happens to die right after <laughs> she they get married and right after she's pregnant. And oh. everyone's like, you murdered him. And she's like, no, I didn't. And it's going back it's going back and forth in time. So it, it starts after all of the events of the book. And then she's retelling them. But then also going further back in history as things go on. So we're doing like multiple layers of time here. Mm-hmm. That's our delineated in like the chapters. But essentially Elsie arrives at this the Bainbridge house in the middle of nowhere, England. It's nasty. It's cold. Everyone's scared of the house. And she's just like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do? Then they discover these strange, they're not really dolls, but they're like, basically, you know, like life-size cutouts of celebrities that people have for whatever fucking reason. They're versions of that, but they're of people they don't know. And they're wood. And they seem to just move on their own. Nope. And I won't go much. I haven't finished it yet, but I also like there's a lot of really interesting twists and turns it makes. And it's a lot of really interesting examinations of like gender, gender in Victorian era England. And also like going deeper into just like the power dynamics and how women are like, I know what I have to do to like make myself a part of society. And like I'm trying I'm fighting for my life here on top of some crazy supernatural shit going on. And it, it was a really good, like, com- it's a really good, compelling read. Um, the only reason I didn't finish it is because uh, my brain was exhausted just from my trip. But, like... I don't know why. Yeah. Like, one morning, Steve was sleeping in, and I couldn't sleep because of jet lag. So I, like, sat on the balcony in our hotel and, like, read a bunch of it. It was... So it's, like, it's really well done. And if you like Victorian horror, but, like, updated, I guess, you would love this. Very much, no, like, I creepy do. Cat- creepy castles and stuff but also like some really interesting gender things happening and again i haven't finished it but i i know it gets even creepier so i'm very excited um it's one of these books where i'm keep trying to guess what's going on but then something comes up where it's like no you're wrong and i'm like well okay cool i love that though but i like that because it's like me too it's it's nice to be like oh no like you think that's where it's going but actually that's oh. the Silent Companions by Laura Purcell. I am adding it to my list right now. Yeah, it was like one of these books that's been recommended on Book Talk a bunch, and it's it was worth it's worth the hype so far. Hell yeah! So I was I'm reading it on my Kindle. Sweet. All right, a pulpy adventure with monsters. Yes, uh, going back to sci-fi briefly. Um, so this is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. The <gasps> I haven't watched that yet. I won't go into any spoilers, really. But it is... Um... Godzilla! <laughs> I really wish people could see the Shin Godzilla baby. Is I that know. what it is? Yeah, it's like, it's like I think, the second, like, the larval formation of Shin Godzilla. My little baby boy. Anyway. <laughs> so cute. Uh, so... For those who aren't aware, they've been building, like, this monsterverse, right? With, like, King Kong and Godzilla and making these big movies out of it, right? And so one of the organizations that has been kind of whispered about is Monarch. And so Monarch Legacy Monsters does what I think 
is better than any of the Disney Plus uh, cinematic, you know, things that they've been kind of doing with their Disney Plus series by taking a small kind of throwaway thing about Monarch and exploring it. So this thing really does help add complexity to the movies, but it doesn't feel necessary. Like, it doesn't feel like if you miss this, you're going to, like, miss out on a movie. You know what I mean? As Isn't opposed to like, piece? it takes place in the six. This place was in the sixties. So it's decade spanning. So it, it's set. Oh, decades. In, okay. Yeah. So it's set in a couple different time periods, Ooh. specifically with the formation of Monarch, where we have um, a young um, Lee Shaw played by, in the past Wyatt Russell, and then in the present Kurt Russell, his father. So oh, really kind of cool. So we have like him as as a kid, well as a, like a young young adult meeting with um, a couple other people. One of which I believe becomes um, John Goodman's character. Yeah, from Kong Island, from Kong Skull Island. Right, because we see John Goodman see, very briefly. This is a cinematic universe that I'm very well versed in. This is one yes. I'm like, oh yeah, no, no. Because he shows up at the very beginning and he throws something off of Kong Island. And then yeah. it's sort okay. of like a MacGuffin that like we follow into okay. today. And okay. so we're, we're split with the formation of, of Monarch. And then we're also following um, a woman from San Francisco who was there in San Francisco when G-Day happened, when Godzilla from Gareth Evans' Godzilla movie happened. She was there. She saw the devastation. Um, her father has gone missing and is presumed dead, and she goes back to Japan um, because she finds this key and she has information about him. Well, the key opens up an apartment that deter- that she ends up finding out her father had two families, one that lived in America and one that lived in Japan. And her half-brother is there in Japan, and he doesn't know what happened to this father. And so we're following um, the, the half-brother and half-sister, and his kind of lovey interest maybe not played by Kiersey Clemens and so we're following them on sort of like a globetrotting ex- experience to find traces of their father find out if he did die they run into um, an older Lee Shaw played by Kurt Russell and they are catch the eye of Monarch and Monarch is after them for reasons they're not sure of while they're also trying to figure out what happened to their father and why he has lied and kept two families along the way there's a bunch of monsters we get some godzilla we get some other creatures we get some big things but unlike the movies which i know a lot of people have complained about this is more of a focus on the people and they don't feel like just sort of stand-ins while we're waiting for the big is it actually well done with that because it's hard in a Godzilla or like in a kaiju movie to do that. But it was a TV show that actually makes sense. Right, exactly. And I think that's one of the benefits here is that while there are some big set pieces and there are some large monsters, a lot of it is on this this focus on this this family unit that is trying to figure out what happened. And I do think some of the narrative plotting is a little bit finicky to get people moving to different places and there's a lot of backstabbing and double crossing going on throughout it but it just feeds into like this pulpy adventure that that reminds me of like 
like the like the 30s like the pulpy kind of style 30s 40s 50s you know adventure movie and this has so many different locations literally going across the globe and it just i don't know set between different time periods it's very fast it's very breezy um it's an easy show to binge i binged i think i was given the first seven episodes and i pretty much watched them back to back to back because it's just it just books i'm really enjoying it and it that is also out on apple tv i don't know why apple tv is putting two of their big sci-fi releases like at the same time because for all mankind started last week um as of the episode dropping today uh monarch is is starting on apple tv and i'm like why are you doing this give some time to breathe but they're both really killing it. I mean, I love I love that they go the pulpy route because have you seen Kong Skull Island? Mm-hmm. I feel like that one. I feel like the Kong movies have done a good job going that pulpy route. And to the extent the I like the Godzilla movies, but like they're a little bit more like melodramatic in the present. Mm-hmm. But as if you've watched like Godzilla <laughs> So much of that shit is so pulpy and kind of silly. So yeah. I'm excited to see it and kind of see how they lean into that because it is hard for, I do think it's harder for American adaptations of Godzilla stuff to like really hit the right tone. Right. So, and I know that this is like a whole other thing, but you can't, like, you can't divorce it from Godzilla. Like, it's all, it's all because, like, it's all linked. So I'm excited to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I know the first episode's out as of today the episode coming as as of the day this episode is publishing our little cuts episode the first episode of monarch is on apple tv i got there i think the first two i think the first two two. okay Mm -hmm. okay but yeah i I, i'm curious to hear because like i i'm not a huge i'm not i don't know a lot about godzilla i know the godzilla movies i think they're little like the i'm sorry the american godzilla movies that we've with this monsterverse thing i'm aware of them i've seen them they're hit or miss for me but i love the idea of godzilla i love and i i really want to dive into like the the film the, the rich cinema history of godzilla and just sort of explore it because that I should don't... be your next series instead of what we were gonna do we should just do godzilla movies and i can take you on a journey i mean if you want to we already have a plan i don't want to disrupt the plan but okay anyway sorry okay but anyway <laughs> But yeah, I, I am curious to hear if you watch it, what what you think of it, because I just like I've seen some people really down on it online, but like I thought it, I thought it was just very breezy and fun, and it it reminded me of like Indiana Jones or like you know that sort of like pulpy type thing. Like I really enjoyed, and it's it's co-created by Matt Fraction, who is a comic artist that comic writer that I really like. Um, he is known for. He did um, a run of he did the Hawkeye um, run for Marvel. He's did he did Sex Criminals, um, which I really enjoyed. Oh, I love Sex Criminals. Yeah, that's him. Oh, okay. And he and and his his wife um, is also like a um, a comic writer. She Kelly Sue DeConnick. She did um, Bitch Planet. Or Bitch World? Okay. Is it Bitch World or Bitch Planet? I can't remember exactly. I think it's but like, Bitch Planet, but I need to... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Bitch Planet. Yeah, so, I mean, I think they are they are a fantastic power couple, and I can definitely feel his, like, plotting in this, because it feels like a comic book movie, a comic book series come to life as a I Godzilla show. So it's, it's fun. Okay. I highly recommend it. 
cool. I'm excited to watch it. Especially because Godzilla Minus One is coming out soon. I really want to see that so bad. Steve and I already bought. We were going to see it in Japan, but there was no, there was nothing with English subtitles, and there's so much like there was so many like there's so many like human stuff. Yeah. That if we saw it in Japan, it kind of you would lose. It would have been so cool to see it, but like it, it we would have had to see it again. So I think we just kind of we took a lot of pictures, but we we bought tickets to see it in the states um, the day it comes out because I cannot wait to see it. so good so i'm very excited i'm very excited for it too um another anime <laughs> yeah i watched it's a watch a lot of anime in japan uh you know very stereotypical here a lot of really good shit has come out and like the animation world um it, on uh netflix as of recently and so this next one is called oni um oni musha okay which is based on a, is that based on the video a, game Yes, it is. I was just going to say okay. it's based on the video game. <laughs> and it is a eight-episode series, 30-minute episode, well, 30-minute episodes, uh, following a samurai who joins a bunch of other samurai on a mission to basically fight a guy who's become a demon. And the way he does it is by getting access to this, like, strange soul consuming weapon and like a ragtag group of uh untrained samurai going after demons and it's basically like horror period piece japanese horror where they are fighting demons uh, across the feudal japanese landscape and trying to stop a guy who is basically like taking advantage of peasant populations and killing a lot of people for demonic power and the lead character uh, Musashi Miyamoto is modeled after Toshiro Mufune who is in all of Akira Kurosawa's like Yojimbo and all of those like iconic samurai movies his character is very much modeled after uh, Toshiro Mufune's performances Um, but it's like three it's interesting it's mostly and Takashi Miike directed it, by the way. Takashi Miike, oh, who did audition really? and stuff. Yeah, Takashi Miike uh, directed this, which is, I actually just learned that just now. So it's, like, pretty, it's not, like, super bloody, but it's pretty bloody. It's mostly 3D animation, so if you are, like, iffy on the 3D animation, it's still really, it looks really good, and it also fluctuates between, like, 3D modeling animation and 2D animation in a really cool way. Um, in terms yeah, I'm of seeing the trailer. Like, and it looks it looks beautiful. It's beautiful, and in terms of creating like different layers of like memory and and time, it changes animation style. But I'm not usually the biggest fan of 3D animation, but this one is beautiful. Like they they the way that they use it is gorgeous. So I that was the reason why I was like when Steve was like, do you want to watch this? I'm like maybe, but I'm I'm very into it. Um, and again, we're not finished with that yet, but it's really good ass-kicking samurai horror um again pretty emotional in terms of like it seems like oh cool like you know gross but mostly lighthearted, and then it takes a turn and it's not so <laughs> lighthearted anymore so um that's an like, again netflix you you brought the apple tv or apple plus stuff i brought the netflix anime yeah i mean like i know netflix is shitty for various reasons but like they really are doing some really cool stuff on the animation front like i have to give them that i just wish that they 
promote it that more you know yeah like pluto mm-hmm. like Plut- i'm going back to pluto like pluto is like a huge deal and like asamu tezuka is like a huge deal and while it's not his technically it's based on his work which is like seminal in terms of japanese animation and manga and also just animation in general like astro boy is important not just in japan so well once again dumping things and weird and not giving them the love that they deserve in a weird way well and i i mean i didn't even know that they were making an onimusha anime series at all and i mm-hmm. am in the video game sphere like heavily I loved Onimusha. I played, um, I think, a number of those of those original games. Really oh, dug it. Oh, cool. Okay. Had no idea this was coming out. Had no idea that it existed until just yeah. now. I, I, I feel like Netflix so often relies on, like, the algorithm stuff yeah. to, like, resurface it to people. And they just, like, kind of hope for that because there's so much content on the streamer. And, like... It's really interesting kind of observing their marketing, like, and how they don't. I know this is the strike. It's it's been (laughs) hard because of the strike, too. But, like, this has been a problem before. Like, they don't market things. Yeah, like, they'll choose one or two big things. And then they're constantly putting new content on that fucking platform. But they're not promoting it. But it's still, stuff is still doing well. And I think it's because they know people are just constantly coming back to it. And I think sites and even like Dread Central are like free marketing for them. I did, it's the weird things I'm thinking about in terms of just like streaming marketing models is very weird. But yeah, I, that's interesting to hear. Cause I, I was, I was going to ask, cause like I am not familiar with the game and I had no idea. And Steve, I don't think Steve knew the games and didn't know it was coming on either. So it sounds like it was kind of just like another thing that was kind of like pushed onto the platform. It's like, well, maybe you'll find it and hopefully word of mouth. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a pretty I, pop. I mean, like it's, a, it's a pretty long running series, right? It, it It's a, it's a decently long running Ish. series by Capcom yeah. who did, you know, resident evil. And it yeah. was sort of like, um, it came out, in, I think the first game came out in the like the late '90s, I want to say, and it was like a their idea was that it was a ninja version of of Resident Evil, so it was like yeah. there was gonna be supernatural stuff in it, but it was it definitely fit like the same kind of um, motif as like Resident Evil, but with you know Japanese history. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I played a number of those of those uh, those original games. I sort of lost track of it. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, and it looks like they've they went into the 2000s, and I had no idea. But like the first, I think two, maybe th- maybe I guess maybe the first two, I played a whole lot on of. Okay, yeah, they had a they, oh a remaster came out in 2018. Oh, okay. That's Onimusha, and I would highly, highly recommend. Especially because Takashi Miike is the chief director. I mean, that's wild. That's cool. All right, and then, like, let's wrap this bitch up with Dracula yeah. as a twonk. <laughs> so, I'm surprised you didn't talk about Alan Wake 2. There's too much. And I didn't... I honestly... I had it on here originally, and I deleted it because I have not finished it. I am, like... I'm at the point where I'm trying to wrap up things because I'm moving into the climax... And so I was like, I was going to wait. I'm going to wait until next week when I'll be done with it uh, to talk about it. I'm watching Steve play it. I'm not playing it, but I'm watching him play it. So that's why I was. Anyway, we'll talk about it next week. (laughs) Yeah, I. Yeah. So 
boy, it just like so much has happened in the last like two weeks. Uh, but then I because I went to New York, one of the things that I really wanted to do was finally see a show on New York. And so we went I I found out about this play on TikTok of all places because it was showing me <laughs> clips of this of this play. And I was like, this looks really kind of fun. Oh, it's playing in New York. Oh, it'll be playing when I'm there to visit my friends. And so I had reached out to my friends. I was like, hey, do you mind if we go see this? They're like, sure, let's go. So I went to go see Dracula, A Comedy of Terrors. And this is a 90-minute play that condenses Bram Stoker's novel into very succinct storyline that is very brisk a lot of a lot of moving it is it is very fast paced and it is queer um it is it has a lot of gender bending there's two actors in particular um that i have to shout out arnie burton who is he's male presenting he plays mina and van helsing who's a woman among others and he is absolutely fantastic as her and then also ellen harvey who plays uh mina and lucy's father she plays renfield um so there's there's some gender bending going on here and then we have dracula who is literally abs like he's just he's a the videos i've seen he is a twunk like that is the best like he's so hot like so funny like the way that I'm curious, the way that, like, the movies objectify the women, they make him the object, it seems, from, again, the very yeah. brief videos I've seen, but... <laughs> Everyone wants to fuck Dracula, and honestly, <laughs> I, I can't blame them. He, like, he, he shows up in, in with, like, this mesh top, and his arms are, like, up as he's, like, leaning in the doorway, arm, you know, pits out... Just like leaning there as pits as... out, <laughs> pits out for the gaze as Harker is is showing up at his castle, and then it, it, the you know the the vest comes out and he is just standing there. He's so tall, just he is all torso, all abs. Like I think it's just like his whole body is one giant ab. I don't know, but yeah. So like it's it's telling it's it's telling a very basic story. It's telling the story of Dracula, but is doing it so in such a funny way that is brisk it there's like it it just doesn't it doesn't stop and it is so funny the comedic timing here is just is so great and like i said Artie burton who plays mina and jean or jean jean van helsing it's just he's a fucking star and i have to say ellen harvey there's this really it plays with like them because they are playing multiple characters it's a cast of five and aside from dracula they're all playing um, different characters and so there's one part where ellen harvey is playing dr um westfield uh the the father of lucy and and mina uh-huh. and he's like shouting off stage and then he's like hiding his head or sh- she's hiding her head and playing his renfield and there's one part where renfield jumps out of something and then all of a sudden he comes around the corner on the other side that like got like huge cheers and stuff just fantastic little bits of of that kind of stuff going on but i have to say if you live in new york and you want to have a good time or you're going to new york dracula comedy terrors is gay sexy a delight i absolutely loved it hell yeah i get i've seen i've gotten emails about it and i've seen the tiktok videos like the promo videos Mm -hmm. and uh it looks incredible and i was so glad you saw i was like is this like 
real. So I was glad that you saw it and proved to me that it was not just a figment of TikTok imagination. Right? And and the best I need part. A proof. I know. I don't believe Broadway things exist until someone actually goes <laughs> Me too. But the thing is, is that like the other thing I was worried about is like, what if the show is literally just like, like the show, the stuff they're showing on TikTok is like the best of it. And it's not good was like my other concern. But no, if anything, the TikTok is underselling how funny this, this show okay. is. That makes me highly recommend it. Okay. Highly recommend it. Really, we're really in like a Victorian horror era renaissance right now with the Draculas and the Frankensteins. Love it. <laughs> Give yeah. me all the Victorian horror. What? Meow. You want some Victorian horror? Okay. The Gap Itch. But yeah, that was our, that's our supersized <laughs> little cuts. little cuts. <laughs> now that we're back. I know. Back. I, yeah, I have so many things to watch now. Uh, all right. So that's, that's little cuts. Who are we chatting with on Monday, Mary Beth? So it's very exciting. Uh, on Monday, we we're chatting with Alex Burrell and returning guest Josh Tonks about uh, their movie, The Latent Image. And we found out why Suspiria, the OG, terrified Alex growing up. Yeah, I was not prepared. Alex is is like a font of knowledge about this movie. Like this movie yes, is big so cool. for him. And so we had a lot of discussion about it. Uh, why why it terrified him as well as just having a good conversation about Dario Gento's fantastic film. A movie that good. surprisingly we hadn't had on the show yet. So I know um, it was really cool to talk about it, especially having Josh back and being able to talk yeah. about their incredibly queer erotic thriller, the late image. We all, you all know how much like erotic thrillers. And so this mm-hmm. is a good queer one that is out now. So check it out before our episode. Also, we're starting a new series. We're finally getting back to our series now that life is settling down a bit, Terry. And uh, what's our new series focused on? So Mary Beth is going to take my hand and lead me gaily along the found footage subgenre. And we're starting with a movie that we've both seen, but it's been a minute for me. And I know that it is one of Mary Beth's favorites, As Above, So Below. So excited! This is the movie that got me back into found footage during um, the pandemic. So I'm excited to start there. And I know that Terry has seen a lot of like the, you know, the the OGs, like the the big found footage pillars. So this is going to be kind of more of a deep cuts journey Mm -hmm. into the subgenre, which will hopefully be fun for all of you who maybe aren't as into found footage or are also found footage freaks and are excited to get some love onto some lesser known titles. So don't expect anything like as above so below might be one of our biggest ones we cover so right. just get ready for some cool deep cuts because we're going on a journey of found footage heck yeah <laughs> so listeners you have heard from us we want to hear from you did you watch anything or read anything that we talked about this week and have thoughts do you have any ideas for what found footage i, be sh- I should be showing terry and maybe even myself for the first time for our found footage series let us know by sending us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us directly on socials. Um, I am at MB McAndrews on Twitter and MB.McAndrews on Instagram. And I'm at Gaily Dreadful everywhere. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast um, and then also on Instagram at scarredforlifepodcast and we're at scarredpodcast on Blue Sky. And Please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe, especially if you want to um, 
see me watch that horrible spider movie that's going to be coming out early next year if we can get to 200 ratings and reviews on itunes it'll happen Uh, we're nowhere near so i think i'm in the clear but it could still happen and now that life is returning to normal we will be working on our patreon again so expect to see that coming up real soon yes very exciting um also quick note if any of you want to pick up the second site ginger snaps trilogy oh, yeah. i have a commentary track on that i just got my copy since i was back and Me checked too. my mail all my packages um check that out if you are so inclined um and we have we'll have news about other things maybe like mm-hmm. that coming up in the not so distant future so stay tuned um but thank you to eric power for our artwork thank you to sean keller for our music thank you everyone for listening please stay safe out there but most importantly stay creepy and until next time oh!